This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Judy Carey Nevin. She says kindness and compassion are important to her. Kindness is so easy and it's free, she says. Over the last three years, Nevin has written four children's books. The latest is called All Kinds of Kindness. The book's series of 11 couplets uses simple words to express profound thoughts. In her eight years working as an editor at Viking, Nevin loved finding undiscovered authors, but never thought of becoming one herself. However, she did save two paper fortunes she got from fortune cookies while working there. You are a lover of words, said the fortunes. You will someday write a book. Plant a seed, push a swing, kindness makes our hearts sing. Calm your friend, free a bug, offer him a great big hug. Pick up litter, cleaning spree, kindness starts with you and me. Yes, I just thought that um, hearing these words would put us in the right mood because right now, at least in New York State, I don't know how things are in Ohio, people are kind of frayed. They're calling it COVID fatigue. Uh And we have Uh people that are becoming very rude at the urgent care centers and calling in the sheriffs. And we have people that are protesting the restrictions that are being imposed Uh in the micro cluster zones. And just hearing these words about kindness, I think it's such a good Uh time for that. So what is it that inspired you to write this? Well, it was actually kind of a, almost an accident. Not that kindness is not important to me because it is very important to me. Um, but my editor um, suggested it because I had written all kids are good kids first, but my contract said that I would write two books. But the second book what didn't exist. <laughs> so it was just an unnamed second book. And um, so I had suggested doing feelings. And I had written a part of the text and sent it to the editor. And he said, well, you know what? We can, I've been at book conferences lately, and what we're really missing are books about kindness. Do you think you could try that? And so I tried it, and here we are, all kinds of kindness. And so when <laughs> so you, I still don't have my book about feelings done, but <laughs> well, all kinds of kindness is out. <laughs> it seems like kindness is one kind of feeling so what yeah when tell us just a little about your writing process because the words are so simple that you can have you can imagine a child understanding them but at the same time they are universal as an adult we should be able to learn from this book (laughs) so like what what is your writing process how do you do this um well um, usually I have a rhythm because I, it's just kind of the natural rhythm I fall into. So, um, if I come up with a line that fits that rhythm, then I kind of work off of that because I know I want certain number of syllables or rhythm in every line. And I know that I want the third line to be, you know, more syllables than the first two. And so I kind of set up a a template as far as the syllables go and then 
I make a list of things that I think are, are examples of kindness or with the all kids are good kids. I had a whole list of all the different things that make children different and that they and I actually had to pick and choose and leave a lot out because the book is short. <laughs> um, so I make lists and then I pick the ones that I can make work with my uh, rhyming and syllable scheme. Um, many of them get left out because I cannot find a word to rhyme with them or it repeats too many of the same sounds. For example, the word you is really easy to rhyme. There are tons of things that rhyme with you, <laughs> um, but it gets really boring if that's the last line, you know, sound of every line. So um, I have to think about the rhyming. Um, I do use a rhyming dictionary once in a while because if I have a word that I really like and I don't want to give up, I will go to a rhyming dictionary and look for words that rhyme with it and maybe find something I hadn't considered. I think that's fascinating. So the rhyming actually makes you reach for certain things. Like if you want to end with a hug, you might reach for the word bug and yes. have it come out that way. Oh, that's that's fascinating. Also, I just love the pictures in this book. And I wonder if you could just talk, because I know you were in the publishing business also for a long time, mm-hmm. about how authors are paired with their artists. Um, you know, how it is that this particular artist, and I'm just flipping back to the first page so I can say her name, Susie Hammer, came to be, because she's illustrated several several of your books. How, how did yeah, she's, that happen? Well, um, many people are surprised to learn that the author doesn't choose the illustrator. Um, so first off, that's what... Um, what happens is the author just turns in the text. And as soon as the editing is done, revising it, and the editor says, yes, this is the final version, then that text is provided to the illustrator that the publishing company has chosen. I say company. It's not really like a whole company is saying, yes, this one. But someone within the um, art department is working with an illustrator, and they show them the text. And... um, First, they'll have a list of people they would like to work with, and they'll send it to, you know, their first choice. And if that person says no, then they'll, you know, reconsider and look for other people until they get someone they like who says yes. Um, Then the text goes off to the illustrator, and the illustrator does a whole list of things. They make sketches that go to the art department. Then they have to revise their sketches before they do final art. Then they do the final art, and the cover often is done on a separate time schedule because they want to be able to show off the book so they need the cover to be able to show to people when it's a picture book or a, you know any kind of hardcover book my board books are a little different because they don't have a book jacket <laughs> and they don't really have a separate cover because they're all part of the same page set um so an illustrator's chosen they work they work they work finally the finished art is done and the author in between might see glimpses but they don't get to say yes or no to most of the things in the illustrations. So when, you, the, um, so when you saw your first glimpse, what, what were your thoughts? Did you think, yes, this is a fit with my words? Or how, how did that feel? Yeah, so for me, it's slightly different. So that way, I wanted to start with the general process because I am kind of in a special place. Because the woman who is my editor or my agent 
is someone I worked with when I worked in publishing. And we are very good friends personally, and we worked together on almost every book I edited when I was at Viking. So we have a different relationship from a typical agent author. Mm -hmm. And she is an agent to almost, I would say, 90% illustrators. And she just has a few authors sticking in there, including me. So um, because we have a publishing past and because she has so many illustrators, what she did for my all of my projects was she showed me people's samples and said, what do you think about this for your text? And she'll submit my text with a sample of art that is not sample for my book. It's just the person's portfolio sample to the editor at the same time and say, hey, what do you think about this? And um, I just thought I would suggest this person as the artist. And um, both times with different publishers, the editor has agreed and selected the artist that Teresa suggested. So I have already seen it because Teresa has said, oh my gosh, I think I have the best, you know, pairing for you. And um, with the all kids are good kids and all kinds of kindness, actually, it was Teresa's um, idea to submit with Susie at, at Hammer, and she did it without my knowledge, which is fine. And she called me. I actually was up in Lake George visiting my mother, and um, we were driving from Lake George to Saratoga to go to the National um, Cemetery um, to see my father-in-law's um, I don't know what you call it. It's the wall. So it's not a crematorium. Maybe it's a crematorium. The wall where they put everybody's names. So we were going there and I was on my cell phone with Teresa and she was telling me, I got this great sample from my artist. And um, I, you know, I just, all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, this would be perfect for your manuscript. So I submitted it. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> and then like in the same breath, she said, and I got an offer. <laughs> I was like, how can I say I mind when you're doing your job, first of all? And we got an offer. But then so from the drive to Lake George to Saratoga, my phone kept cutting out. And so she's trying to tell me everything about the off offer and everything. And I kept losing her. Oh, my <laughs> it gosh. It was the most frustrating <clears throat> 45 minutes of my life. Oh, um, gosh. So, yeah. So she, she chose the um, illustrator, which is normal for an agent with illustrators to say, if you have a project for this artist, isn't she great? But it's not always the um, norm for an agent to submit text and art at the same time. So, but Teresa's so good at it that she just she makes really good matches. And you, um, so, did you feel like it was a good match when you saw the art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had seen this illustrator because I love illustration. And when I was an editor at Viking, I had a binder like three inches thick of illustrator samples that I kept for a. A chance they were like the wish list of illustrators that someday I wanted to illustrate one of my projects. So I'm I'm very visual, and so I always check out Teresa's um, site and look at her illustrators because I just love them. And so um, I had already seen Susie's samples on Teresa's page because, and sometimes she'll just say, "I got new artists you want to see," and she'll you know show me the the samples they're going to have. So we just have a different relationship from typical. Um, agent author relationship. Yeah. So I get kind of a little bit of the behind the scenes thing, which that, I love. That, yeah, that's nice. And what I liked about this was it's like Susie Hammer told her own story within your words, mm -hmm. where it says, yeah. uh, say you're sorry, reach out a hand, together you can take a stand. And she has illustrated that with a dog who apparently ate 
flower bed <laughs> and the little girl is crying where we see say you're sorry and is being comforted. And then in the next panel, um, together you can take a stand. They're holding signs, save the flowers. <laughs> and she's like created a little story within the story just with her pictures, which mm-hmm. is really, it must be fun. Yeah, and the layout of the art is almost like in some pages like that one, it's almost like a mini, mini comic strip because of the way she's divided the panels. Mm-hmm. It's not just one illustration on one page and one illustration on another. It's like a little story, like you're saying. So it's like a little comic strip, which yeah. isn't very common in board books in particular. Um, so yes, I love my that she puts smiley faces on everything. And then it, that's another story within the story. If something bad happens, the little smiley faces change into little frowny faces. And so I don't think it's it's in the all kids are good kids. The um, story, little story is at a, um, I think it's a playground. This little kid has an ice cream cone. And the next little panel shows ice cream cones, the ice cream falling off the cone. And the smile, the whole face that's on the ice cream cone turns upside down because the ice cream falls off. Oh, and it's a little frown. Yeah. And, it's, and the little ice cream cone is mad too. And that's the storyline. The kid is upset. And then they get a hug from mom or dad. And I, there, you know, it's just she puts so much thought. And in the all kids too, they're in a playroom and they have a little piece of art up on the wall, which everybody does, you know, with kids' art. And it's a little picture of a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> she just does so many cute things. Yeah. So yeah, I love, I love all the details. And I, that's one of the fun things about being an author and not an illustrator is everything that the illustrator does is a surprise to me. So it's like reading someone else's book visually because I've never seen the mini stories that the illustrator creates. So I show people my books all the time and it has nothing to do with being, you know, um, bragging about my words. It's how excited I am about what they look like because I'll say, oh, look at this one, look at this, you know, because I didn't have any input nor would I have thought of the scenes that the illustrators create. So um, cause my first two books, the illustrator put all kinds of little, the first book I ever did is called what uh, daddy's like and the illustrator and has shows a father bear and a little bear cub and the cub has a little stuffed bunny and it appears on every single illustration. And she didn't tell me it was going to happen. I didn't obviously write about it, but it's so fun because once you know, you're like, Oh, look, there it is. Oh, there it is. And so, I mean, I have looked at that book hundreds of times. And there's still funny little things I see. And, you know, so I love that part of being exclusively an author and that, because it's so much fun. Yeah. And that illustrator was Stephanie Six. I saw that and she had yeah. kind of fuzzy little bear yeah. characters that were great. Uh-huh. Well, I would like yeah. to start kind of at the beginning because we have a lot of Gilderland listeners and just hear about your life growing up here and how it shaped you to become an author. Um, I know I heard from one of your teachers, Corinne Falope, who was just <laughs> so excited because this latest book was in the top 20 for its age group on Amazon. And she was just so proud of you. And I just like to hear a little about just your experiences here in Gilderland and any teachers that might have influenced you or any Anything that set you on the path to being not just a book lover, but a book creator? Um, Well, I went to Linwood Elementary School, which is where Mrs. Felipe taught. And um, 
the librarian there was Margie Ramo. And um, between Mrs. Ramo and Mrs. Felope, who is Kareen Felope, um, and teachers in between, but those are the two people who maintained con- I maintained com- contact after elementary school. And Mrs. Felope and my family had a friendly relationship because my mother was a, um, a remedial math teacher at Linwood. So we kind of knew her at home even before she was my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Even after I left Linwood, even in, you know, subsequent middle school, high school, I would go back and visit and see Mrs. Philippe and Mrs. Ramo. Um, I loved reading from a very young age. I mean, I, I, the one thing I remember about um, Linwood and reading is that I um, had a book signed out and I wanted to read in the bathtub like my mother did. And I dropped the book in the <laughs> tub and it was a library book. Oh. And so... <laughs> We had done the classic, you know, we put a fan and all these, and Mrs. Ramo was very gracious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I read like every book within a certain area of the library and Mrs. Felope read to the class, um, which, I, you know, we all loved. And I bet almost half the class could still tell you now some of the books that she read to us. I mean, everyone who had Mrs. Felope still remembers her. Like if I mention her on Facebook, friends of mine who are still, who are from Gilderland and say, Oh, I remember her, you know, and she just has a, um, a real presence in her students' lives. She's still friendly with so many of her former students. Yeah, well, um, she was just so proud of you, and she told me this uh-huh. remarkable story how when you were working in publishing and she went to visit you and you came to visit her classroom, yeah. Yeah. and this maybe you would tell the story of this particular book, Sister Anne's Hands, that oh, you yeah. actually put her in touch with the author of that book because it was such an emotional thing for her to be she'd read that book to her class and had to leave the Mm -hmm. classroom to compose herself because um, she had remembered a time when she was a young teacher, I think it was in Ohio, she said, and she was handing she's from Ohio, handing back a paper and um, she's African American, and she brushed her hand inadvertently against the hand of a white boy who made this big show of like wiping off his hand as if it were dirty. Mm-hmm. And as she was reading yeah. this book to the class, she was overcome with emotion. Um, and just if you could talk a little about that book and that author and how you put them together <laughs> because they corresponded after that. Yeah, I found. <laughs> I send, when I was at Viking, one of the perks of, there aren't a lot of perks to working in publishing because the pay is really low. And um, yeah, I mean, there's perks to loving the work, but there's not a lot of outside things. You don't get discounts on things, you know, all that outside the publishing world. Mm -hmm. But one of the things was there were free books everywhere because people would um, look at a book for an example of something and then not keep it. And there, so there would be shelves around the company where they, they were just called free bookshelves and you would just wander around and, you know, kind of shop on the free bookshelf. So I would send her books all the time because they were appropriate for her class or something. So I sent her the sister aunt's hands without understanding what it was going to do, obviously. And so, um, she made the classic um, mistake that we have all made of reading something without reading it first. So she was in front of her class 
And um, like you said, got so upset she had to leave. And um, uh, I don't recall how putting her in touch with the officer. I obviously must have because it was before the days of ready access to looking it up on the Internet and everything. So I must have gotten her email address because I do remember that um, she emailed with the author. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, they had a back and forth through right. with the class even, I think. The class yeah, got she involved des- and She described it like and- a therapy session when she went back to the classroom uh-huh. and told her fourth grade students why she had been upset and mm-hmm. they just were so supportive and they just said you know you should yeah. have told somebody and it just it's just such mm-hmm. a lovely story how a book can open up something in yeah. your past and make you come to terms with it and here it was mm-hmm. through her student <laughs> you know who had yeah. connected her with this and it just I just love this story but um are there other teachers I like the closure that the the more modern students were like that's so wrong that's so wrong because yeah. she had this behavior, you know yeah. thing that was so hurtful right. and no one would have particularly um said anything about it back then and then modern students were like no that was wrong you know so she yeah. got that kind of confirmation I thought was um, a nice um, way for it to end. Yeah, I just um, love the story. Yeah. It sounds like it should be in a book. <laughs> so are there yeah. other teachers um, along the way um, in some of the other? Yeah, middle school I had um, Mrs. Close's one. I don't I don't ask for like individual memories. I just yeah. remember the teachers that um, stood out. And so I, Mrs. Close was someone I liked a lot. And Mrs. Um, um, her name has just escaped me. Urgh! My English teachers, basically, because my two favorite subjects were English and math, which is kind of an unusual combination. Um, I wasn't a science or social studies person at all, at all. Um, But um, I was in advanced classes and didn't love them. But, you know, I I fell into that whole trap of, well, you need to take all these classes so it'll get you into a good college. You know, they start you pretty young with all that. So um, I took earth science <laughs> and barely scraped by um, in, I think it was that region, earth science, and it was new back in when I was there um, with Mr. Angelotti. Um, so, yeah, English teachers. Mrs. Burke, she was the other one. Mrs. Close and Mrs. Burke. And I actually came back to uh, middle school when I was in publishing and spoke to Mrs. Burke's classes about what being an editor is like and um, what the job entails. And we would kind of write a, a fake book and, you know, work on editing it. And um, so I did that, I don't know, two, three times. Um, I don't recall the library, which is horrendous, um, <laughs> but I remember... <laughs> <laughs> terrible because I was using the Eldon Public Library at that point because I took piano lessons and my piano teacher lived near the library so I spent a lot of time um, there because my brother also took lessons so I would be waiting at the library while my brother was in lessons or you know so like, so I spent a significant amount of time at the Gildon Public Library in that age range that's mm-hmm. going to be probably the reason um, and then high school um Oh, I liked my 10th grade English teacher so much, and I can't pull up her name right now. It'll probably come to me later. Um, I remember in high school finally getting to that point where life got too much and I didn't get to read as much as I used to, and it was very disappointing and um, 
I never really kind of put my finger on it until when I was in college. And I realized, again, in college, I couldn't really read because of just having reading as homework for so many classes mm. and all the other homework. I just didn't have time. But it really sat with me, and um, I missed it a lot. Um, and then when I graduated, I do remember thinking, ah, ha. <laughs> I finally get to read a book for fun. You know? <laughs> um, but I was an exchange student my senior year of high school. So um, in order to be able to graduate um, back in Gilderland, I had to complete certain coursework. And they couldn't um, approve me going to school in Australia as my substitute because they're on a different calendar. I would have taken half of 11th grade and half of 12th grade. Uh-huh. And so um, I did independent study English, and I did independent study uh, social studies. I think I was already done with science and math. So I took classes at, in Australia, but I didn't have to do a special arrangement. Oh, and PE. I even had to do PE. Oh, so, wow. Or not independent study, but my PE had to count wow. um, for my diploma. <laughs> Um, so I did independent study English, and I wrote a lot of poetry. And um, I'm in the class with um, Julie Graziano, when, um, and she died when I was in Australia. And I had been friends with her in middle school, mostly, maybe ninth grade. But it really affected me partially because I was so far away from home and also because I had been friends with her. So I wrote a lot of um, sad poetry for a while. Um, well, poetry and, can help with that, I think. I just also wanted to ask you, I, one of the links you sent, you had written, um, it took the birth of our daughter and support from a Viking colleague, and I think you've mentioned her, who had uh-huh. become an agent for me to try my hand at writing. So I just wanted to kind of ask about that. I know you said your daughter Sarah is almost eight now, but how mm-hmm. how that played into your all this lifetime of reading and helping other authors in a publishing house, finally, you know, becoming an author yourself, and I know you also wrote um, that you had had this experience of twice getting a paper fortune in a fortune cookie that um, predicted you would become a writer. And I just wonder you if you could talk a little about actually, you know, making, which must have been a huge leap from reading books now as a librarian, helping people find their way to the right books as a publisher, you know, helping to give birth to these books other people are writing until <laughs> actually doing, doing it yourself. Well, it's funny because I never did really want to be a writer um, when I was at Viking, but I had a, I have an instinct for um, writing and for editing, and so I loved being an editor, and it was not a job that you learn about when you're younger, so I kind of fell into it, and once I was there, I knew that that was where I wanted to be, and um, but I still, it just wasn't, writing was not going to be my thing, I thought, and I was fine with that. I, I loved being an editor and working with other people's words and giving suggestions and um finding people because my job because I was new was always to find undiscovered authors because I didn't have people who are already working with me so I got to find new people all the time and offer them a job 
you know, writing a book and they'd be so excited because they they were waiting for that day. So my job was really fun. And then um, Teresa, who is now my agent, once in a while asked me, you know, are you going to write? And I'd be like, no, 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 that's not, that's not my thing. And um, she kind of just always thought I would write. And then while I was at Viking, I got two fortune cookies from, I don't even know if it was the same restaurant, but, and they said, I still remember, they said, um, you are a lover of words, you will someday write a book. And it made me laugh. And I kept them because I just thought it was funny. And um, so fast forward, that was like 1999, probably around there. So fast forward to 2013 (laughs) when um, our daughter is born and I read to her from the, you know, the day she was home. And um, there are so many bad books. (laughs) But I would, you know, I'd borrow them from the library because I'm a librarian. And so I would borrow them based on something about them. Like I'm a knitter. So anything that had something to do with knitting or sheep or, you know, all these different things, I would borrow them. And then I'd find that I hated them. Or I just kept thinking, I can't believe this got published. Or something where I hit, the language is really clunky. And, you know, and I kept, uh, from an editor standpoint, I kept thinking, man, I wouldn't have done this. Or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. So it bugged me. And then um, also my husband read the same uh, frequency because we alternated, you know, putting the baby to bed. And he had to read the same books I read about aren't mommies wonderful and mommies love their babies and mommies hug and hold their babies and mommies do this and mommies do that. And there weren't a lot of daddy choices, which didn't push me to be an author necessarily. But then one time I just overheard him playing with the baby and I heard him say, daddy's like hugs too. And I was like, Oh, that's so cute. So then I, he and I kind of made this little mini poem about all the things daddy's like, and I did think, oh, that would make a cute board book. And um, Teresa and I were back in contact by then, and she had asked me a number of times about writing, and I would even tried out one or two little things. So once we got to that point, she said I needed to be her client because she was like, you know, I am going to, I can shop this around for you, but you need to be my client. So that meant I thought I was going to be a writer <laughs> from that point. So I was in. <laughs> So um, the daddy book got expanded a number of times because people thought it could be a picture book. And so we expanded it. Um, And now, funnily enough, um, it's a board book now. So uh, (laughs) it went full circle. It was a picture book and now it's a board book, too. Um, So, yeah, so that's where kind of my path was weird. But um, I'm in a good place now. And um, I still read books. I think, ugh. (laughs) You know, it's just the nature of the job. It's the same with movies and TV shows. And, you know, everybody has a something that they think, I can't believe they did that. Um, but I hope people aren't saying that with my books on the other What does Sarah, your daughter, think of your books? I know she's older now than the age group you're writing for, but does she take pleasure yeah. in having her mother having written these? Yes. Um, the, the first two, she was young enough that she was in preschool kind of when they came out. And oh my goodness, she wanted me to come and read to her class just so she could sit in the front of the class with me <laughs> instead of sitting, you know, with her, her classmates. And she, when she, I read, I think the first one she was in preschool and the second one, she was already in kindergarten. And she kept asking me, when are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? And that was a little different. I thought I had to go through the librarian and it just didn't work out that way. So I went to her class 
and that was a little more fun because the students were more like interactive and the kids were like, you know, um, could read some of the words and, um, they would yell out things when I asked questions. And, um, so we had a lot of fun, but the other two, because they are, they look like they're for younger children. She hasn't really asked me to come. And I think probably what will happen is, um, when they're still around, when she's older, I could go and talk about my job as an author rather than reading the little kitty books, you know, yeah. which I think she would be happy to have me do. Um, yeah. But it's all about my presence online to her. Like, my husband is a history professor, and he was interviewed on our, on our university's website to kind of promote the history department. And she found the video on YouTube because the university has a YouTube um, channel. She, she is more over the moon and more impressed that daddy is on YouTube than anything <laughs> that I have ever done. <laughs> oh, that's great. And now your husband was also a Gilderland graduate, right? Is that, do you met in he high is. school? He is. Um, Were you high school sweethearts? He's Mark Nevin and he's uh-huh. from class of 87. Um, I was class of 88. So, um, but his sister, Chris, is in my grade. So um, people might remember Chris Nevin also, um, and Kyle Nevin, who is um, three years younger than me. So he must have been class of 91 then. Um, so, yes, I'm married into the Nevin clan. And I have an older brother who went to Gilderland also, David Carey, who graduated in 86. Um, but Mark and I knew each other in high school, but we weren't particularly close. Um, and he, Chris, and I were all in the same French class with Miss Kuhn. Um, oh, Wendy Kuhn. I uh, remember her. She was my French teacher, too. <laughs> oh, how funny. Yeah, she, I love, you know, it's so, everybody has different responses to her teaching style. Some of them didn't like her sarcasm and, you know, um, things like that. And I loved her. And mm. other people, you know, kind of, she great rubbed them the wrong way. But I loved her. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Chris, um, Julie Walter, who was one of my best friends, um, Mark, Dave Tilchinski, and I all sat together. So I kind of knew Mark from French class. Um, but other than that, I don't know. We knew it, our families knew each other going all the way back to Linwood because they went to Linwood as well. Um, so it's weird. I actually have a memory of being in their house and playing with Chris. Hmm. when we were itty bitty but um and i remember a baby being around so it must have been kyle but i don't particularly remember mark um but i remember him from elementary school because we were actually we found out as grown-ups that we were in the same class at linwood because linwood did clusters mm-hmm. and we were in the th- third fourth oh no it must have been Oh, because fourth grade, I was in this. Yeah, it was in the third, fourth cluster, and I was in the third grade, and he was in fourth grade, and we had LaPlante La Lovato um, in third, fourth. And we found out later, you know, we were saying, oh, who did you have? You know, just kind of going back through all the random teachers that stuck out for us. And he said, oh, I had somebody started with an L, and I was like, LaPlante Lovato? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And so I went back, and I found our class picture. Oh my and gosh. Um, we, we had it out on display at our wedding. It was pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> we had that... like, find Mark, find Judy, little contest. Mm-hmm. 